What's up, guys? Nick here from the Fatherhood Podcast. I am on a drive up to a beautiful lake with uh, my father-in-law, Mr. Bruce, and we've got about an hour drive here ahead of us, so we're going to take the opportunity to do a little interview, talk about his life as a parent, as a father, and uh, tune in, and I hope you enjoy it. A quick warning to the listeners there, this recording was done while driving in a car. Probably a bad choice on my part, and I'll try to refrain from doing that in the future. Probably should invest in some better mics. But if you can get over the background noise and some of the um, audio mishaps, I think you'll really enjoy this one with uh, my father-in-law, Bruce. Enjoy. All right, Bruce, we're recording live. This is so cool. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. So I have here Bruce, father of two girls, and married for how long? Uh, thirty years, thirty or more, give or take. (laughs) (laughs) Thirty-five. My wife will not hear this recording. That's right. I doubt she will. (laughs) It's raining. We're driving up north in Michigan, heading to your cabin, and uh, it's so cool. We got about an hour drive ahead of us. So we popped it on. Let's record. Let's talk a little bit. All right. Uh, tell me, uh, did you always want to be a father? Well, that's interesting. I was thinking about that the other day, and I, I thought, what made me get married? I, I don't know if it was like this deep down desire that I got to be a dad, but definitely that was in that happened. Right. Um, I do do remember though that. Uh, as I chose my partner for for my life, uh, I do recall thinking that I would want this woman to be the mother of my children. Okay, like that was part of your criteria. Yeah, I mean it was kind of just kind of something that probably if I was going to have kids, I want her to be the mom. So, so you know, definitely that's uh, was always in the works. I think even if it was maybe subconscious, right? But and then. Uh, and then you plan for it. I mean, then you, you are going to make a, a you know a final decision. Hey, let's have kids, because there's definitely time where you're saying, hey, let's not have kids because <laughs> we're not ready yet. Sure. And uh, but I, I can't say that I knew when I was 20 years old that I wanted to be a dad, or even you know I, I didn't get married till I was 30. So even so that you know that was not on on my radar until after I got married. But I guess. Uh, but the thought must have crossed your mind at some oh, point. Yeah, or yeah. Oh, yeah, right. I feel like maybe you uh, had a maybe an experience where you went, oh, I want to I wanna do that differently when I'm a dad, or I want to do it like that, or you know what I mean? I don't think I had that experience. I'm trying to think. Um, and I was thinking about this with, I talked to my wife about it maybe a week or so ago, What at what point that I decided I wanted to do that. And I don't know if there's anything in my, you know, history that, you know, made me feel that I wanted to do it or even knew that I knew what to do once I did it, you know, like. Right, right. It was kind of, um, so no, I think it just kind of happened. Uh, you know, maybe if I never met my wife, I, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. Right, I mean, I, right. I, um, a different person. And actually, the I remember the woman I was dating before my current wife, and I hope she doesn't hear this, because <laughs> I definitely thought to myself I wouldn't want her to be the mother of my ch- child. But so this woman I was dating, sure. before I, and that was kind of what made me 
partly and break up with her. So maybe it was them. I guess I knew that I wanted to have kids, and I knew I didn't want to have it with that woman. Because you, <laughs> you probably were thinking, hey, I like this girl. Could I settle down with her? Right. And then that question crossed your mind, and then you went, oh, I couldn't picture her being the mother of my children. Right. I'm going to have to break this off. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Right. So it was, I guess that was the, the point. But was there a point that, uh, you know, did, did, did your wife say, hey, what do you think about having kids? Was that conversation started by her, or was it started by you, or yeah. it just happened? Yeah, I think I think it was a mutual understanding it was going to happen. Um, I think we both wanted to have kids. So, but I don't, yeah, I, I don't remember specific conversation though. Um, but, you know, what it was definitely wasn't by accident. You right. know, but sure. uh, it was it was definitely planned. So, uh, you know, we must have had some kind of conversation. But can't remember specifics of that. What about you know you had two? Was there did you guys had you guys pre decided two? Or? Yeah, yeah, it was. I think uh, both of us grew up. Uh, you know, uh, let's say '60s and '70s, and uh, population growth was an issue. And uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name who wrote uh, the book about overpopulation, but um, zero, maybe it was called zero population growth was the name of the book, but the concept was you uh, reproduce uh, just one child each to replace yourself so that uh, we decided on two. To maintain right. population growth. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Just so we got, we bought, we got replacement parts. We got replacements. <laughs> right. <laughs> was that, and that, really, was that the main, I mean, no, that I, seems like a little bit of a silly reason to decide for sure too i mean not not, yeah, not, no, not no, reason, I, I don't think it was just, it was kind of like the the i, I don't know the prevailing thought of the time but it was definitely the, the idea that there there might be too many people on the earth so do we sure. need to we don't need to put too many ourselves right yeah but, what, what if, well, but it would have been fine to just have one and be like well you know it's all it all averages out you know yeah right uh, yeah right uh i don't we just with having one, we I don't think we wanted that. We wanted to have we wanted to have two. Uh, now, you know, we could have, we maybe played around with the idea of three, but this is a true story. We had this, a mutual friend of ours, a, a woman who was a very energetic, intelligent, smart, powerful woman, who was a a, a, a doctor, had been the president of her medical school class, uh, very accomplished, and we went to go visit her after the birth of her third child and she was we went to visit her and she looked completely wiped out like completely exhausted not not from the child birthing but just this was like several weeks afterwards caring for three children wow and we left her home and i looked over to my wife and said if christy can't handle three kids we can't handle three kids <laughs> wow. Wow. so i was like we said eh, two's enough two's <laughs> enough yeah and I imagine maybe there was also a pull that both of you had an experience growing up in a household with other siblings that you enjoyed that experience of having siblings, so you wanted, you know, you want that experience to exist for your own children too. I think, yeah, I think the maybe having a sibling is kind of a special thing for sure. Right. Um, and uh, but in saying that, I'm envious in some ways with. Uh, uh, the people have only had one, not not so much for the parents, so it is easier on the parents. Right. Uh, but the, every, well, many single children that I've met seem to be really kind of like a 
bright and, and uh, uh, I don't know, maybe that that individualized attention they got from both parents made them a little bit more grown up and sophisticated. Uh, and it just, so I kind of envy that child okay. in a way because they seem to just be a step ahead of everybody else. The outcome. Uh, yeah. Of yeah. I don't know if that's true. I, I, that's right. just my own observation with a few family members who've had just one child. So, um, so I, I envy the child, and it's easier on the parents just having one, and it's also a lot cheaper. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely grew up in LA, you know, and the there wasn't that many. Most most of my friends and most friends, most people were only children. There were some that had siblings, but most of us were only children. And I think you saw a spectrum. Like you saw yeah, definitely sure. some that like yeah matured a lot quicker because if you're in a household with two adults and one kid, the right. kid molds sure. into being more adult like. Versus you've got other kids around and the kids kind of feed off that childlike energy and they act more like kids. Um, but I've also seen it where sometimes those only children, it, it, and it just comes down to the parenting where that, that kid just becomes overly spoiled when it's an only child. Right, like right. so okay. spoiled. Yeah. I've seen it go that way too. Yeah. Um, where I don't know if having another sibling would help not get spoiled, but at least there's less money to go around. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I see what you're saying. Sure. But two kids was good. I I, uh, I think it worked out fine for us. We were both very happy. And it, but it does it does stretch resources. I mean, to have more than two, um, it it becomes more difficult. Child care, you know, uh, paying for child care, paying you know, planning for you know, college education, all that stuff. You kind of keep in mind when you're going forward. You just I um. And, and I'm amazed at people that have five or seven kids. Right. Uh, I, I don't know how, how they do it. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Right. Do you, um, with child care, uh, so both you and your wife worked full time. Yeah. So it was pretty, it was obviously needed. Right. It, it, it was, uh, we lucked out at times with the people we've had. Other times it was miserable, but um, because uh, my wife Jo was a school teacher, uh, or as she, she would want me to say she was a teacher. Um, she pointing out that she did not teach schools, right. uh, but um, she her hours were usually such that uh, in the early years our kids were great. They would like nap for like most of the day, so that oftentimes she would arrive at the babysitter's house or arrive home when the kid was waking up from a nap, and and uh, didn't lose out on a lot of. Uh, bonding time. Yeah, bonding time, a wakeful time with the with the children. But um but she definitely took the burden of child care nonetheless. She had a job and child care because my hours were much longer than hers. Uh, and then also for holidays and vacations I I did not have as many as she did. So sure. she took on the most of the child caring. Uh, I mean, she had the summers off. Right. Being a teacher, and so holidays, a lot, a, lot of, a lot of public holidays yeah. and stuff. And then, then, then when when they get to school, I mean, she would basically get home when they got home, you know, like, right. uh, as she was teaching. So, is there is there a part of you that wishes that you could have had more free time to be able to be there alongside her too? But, yeah. You know, your job was really demanding. Yeah, I I liked uh, definitely I liked uh, being with the kids. And I, I I think. I'm, I'm, no, I missed out on a lot. So I would say, yeah, um, because there were times when, uh, because of my work, 
I would uh, not be able to go on some trips. My my wife would have uh, the summers off, and she would pack the kids up and head north right, for right. a long weekend or something, and then I'd be back home working. So um, I, I wasn't envious of that. Or well, also, then you're kind of lonely at that point because even if you do have the weekend off, I mean, would you drive? I guess you would drive up for a quick Saturday, Sunday, real quick to see them, kind yeah, of thing, and come right, back. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. But they they would have some experiences, or like during the summer, not necessarily traveling anywhere. But my she would maybe take the kids to the lake during the during the day, you know, right. on Wednesday. Let's go to the lake. Right. And I wasn't part of that, so I kind of uh, you know wish I had been. Sure. But uh, but you know you got to make money. Yeah. You know, right. Right. That's how, that's how it works. With a little big big factory over there. Huh? Right. 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 Wow. Yes. Yeah. All so green up here. Yeah, that's the uh, Jordan Ironworks. And for you listeners, go look at your storm grates on your street, and you might see Jordan, Michigan. Um, in storm drains. Yeah. In your or East, city. East Jordan. East Jordan. East Jordan, Michigan, on the storm drain. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it had been located on, uh, uh, on the north arm of Lake Charlevoix, and now it's on the... That one. is quite the facility. Yeah. It's no joke. I mean, that's like... Yeah. That's serious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dang. East Jordan, wow. It's in the middle of a, a wilderness area. Yeah. I mean, they got woods all around. That's great. The look, the parking lot looked pretty packed. It's a Saturday. So, yeah. I mean, this guy's working yeah. in there. Yeah. Wow. So, that's probably a majority of people employed around here. Oh, yeah. Working sure. over there. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. If it's not deer hunting season, they're working in there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> East Jordan, there. we're heading towards Petoskey. How do you say it? Petoskey. Yeah, Petoskey. Petoskey. I forgot if that's that's an Indian word. I, I I always thought it was the name of some Polish guy, but uh, it's a it's a and I can't remember what the Indian word means, but it has a meaning. Okay. Uh, but, I mean, it's named after the stones, so maybe that was just their word for the stones, I guess? No, other way around. Stone was named after Potaski. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right, so uh, I want to... Let's let's talk a little bit about uh, how was that... What, what was that like raising two girls? You know, versus, like, I don't know. You wouldn't have known what it had been like to raise boys. But yeah. tell, us, tell me about, like, what it was like raising two girls. Yeah. Well, I, I think that was another element of maybe feeling a little bit out of it. I, I would sometimes realize, especially as they got older, that, uh, you know, they would rather go shopping with their mom than play golf with me. Uh, yeah. So so uh, there's definitely some things in that. It bummed it, you out a Yeah, bit. Yeah. But um, going in the very beginning of this, I remember when we, we um, had our first child in, at that time, there was not a big need to do um, ultrasounds of the baby before it was born. So we were just totally, you know, didn't know what we were going to get until it happened. Oh, wow. And um, uh, so we got our first daughter, and I was real happy with her. She was grown with a, she came out with a full head of hair, and uh, her resemblance was similar to mine, and, and uh, I remember... Uh, while they were in the hospital, a friend of mine came by to visit my wife and our new child in her hospital room, and and he takes a look at the baby and and takes a look at me and says, "Well, we know who the dad is." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, 
then when we were expecting our second child, still the same thing. We didn't have an ultrasound to, to guide us to know the sex. And um, people kept asking me, do you want a son? And I said, I'd be perfectly happy with another daughter. Uh, and I, I really truly meant that because I really liked my first one. Yeah. Uh, and I was, I say, blessed to have the second daughter. Yeah. Uh, it never it never dawned on me to, you know, think, oh, let's, well, let's go for the third. Let's try to get that son. Right. I never, never, never felt that need or desire. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm really happy being the father of two daughters. They're both great. Um, but I, I do, I, I always wonder, what would, it, what would it be like to have had a son to play catch with? Now, sure. somebody out there is going to say, well, why didn't you play catch with your daughters? Yeah. And I, I, I would try to. <laughs> yeah, so why didn't you? <laughs> and, and both of them actually were quite uh, athletic. But uh, the sports they gravitated to were sports that I had no experience with. So uh, I, I played with them. I mean, we like soccer, for example. I kick a soccer ball around with them, at, just that they were better than me. And, uh, <laughs> um, or you basketball. Want be, you yeah. want to be able to teach them. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Or basketball. They, they were both much better basketball players than I, I ever was. I my. Uh, younger daughter Anna was a great ball handler and I was like where, is it, where did she learn that <laughs> <laughs> wasn't from me wow. um, but um, and then too I think uh, with that um, now they're they're good kids and we, we we did a lot of fun things together but um, and I'm not a big sports guy anyway it's not like I, I'm, a, I'm a jack of one of my kids to play like be a, a quarterback or anything like that sure. Uh, and as for my own experiences, because I was raised by a family that was not sport oriented and not didn't push me into sports, so my daughter's interest in sports was, you know, based on uh, I'll say peer pressure. I mean, just what her friends were doing. Sure. That that's what they end up doing, not because I was guiding them there. Right. So, um, what kind of uh, advice would you have for? Uh, well, actually, I, I did want to ask you a question, which is, did you notice at all that before you had your daughters and then after, did you change in, like, temperament or emotion at all? Did they, by having some girls, did it impact you and making you, like, a little softer, like have a weaker, like a softer heart, you know? Well, or did you always have like a, a, a soft heart? Yeah, I was pretty. I'm always been kind of a soft-spoken person, but I, but I'm, I I also have a temper. Sure. Uh, uh, and there are like I'll share these things with uh, with the listening group out there. Yeah. So I remember one one time um, with my oldest daughter when she was I, I can't remember how old she was, maybe two or three. Uh, she was having some kind of fit, and it, it was just getting on my nerves. I just didn't know how to stop her, kind of her craziness. And I just kind of, I didn't use force, but I just yelled at her. Yeah. I mean, like, louder than I ever yelled at anybody. And I can't remember what I said, but I remember just seeing her little little eyes bug out of her head, like, freaking out. <laughs> What's this guy going to do to me? And I felt so horrible after that. I mean, it's like I felt like such a creep yeah. that I I kind of never did that again. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, so I. And, but was I? Did that did that point in time make me a, a softy? Uh, I was always kind of softy, but that made me 
try not to be uh, an angry parent. Yeah. You know, realizing yeah. that that just was not a good response that I elicited from my daughter. You know. Right. Uh, there's, but at the same time, you know, I think that's one of the problems of not problems, but one of the challenges of of being a parent. Because you know, how do you learn to be a parent? I mean, yeah. I mean, you could read books, but when something happens to you, when you're in the middle of something, can you really gather your thoughts around it, like coach this kid into better behavior or something, get them out of their irrational fit? How do you right. do that? How do you do you that? know, no one, no one teaches you that. Right. And so you kind of do learn as you go. And I just learned that by that one instance that I made a mistake. Right. You know? Right. But I, I imagine that, like, right in that instant, you you you're temp you lost control of yourself temporarily, and then, but I imagine it can be a tool to, in a controlled manner, pretend to be angry, in order to drive a point home that you're serious about something, but you are not, you know, you're never gonna, you know really try to scare them but it's but you, you use intensity right, right. To, to get them in line sometimes right. well yeah or I think maybe rather than uh, I would say yeah but in a different sense not not that you would pretend anger uh, because you probably are angry so the, the, the thing is to control your anger right and to use that sternness in a, a more positive way and maybe not even to be stern you know there uh, and th and this is something I don't know. Is there, how do you do it? How do you do it in a gentle way? Right. I'm sure that I mean me being a guy and a dad and raised by my parents who were not, they were not specifically trained in childbearing either. Right. I, I mean I remember getting uh, you know yelled at and threatened by spankings though I don't recall ever my parents hitting me. But you know I was raised by those those are my role models. Sure. So uh, as I went forward, I tried to do things the way I. I was taught to do them. Again, never spanked my children. Did raise my voice, but I'm sure there are many parents out there that never raise their voice at their child, and and you know raise great kids too. But sure. my kids are great. And I yelled at them, so yeah. I, I guess I did things okay. Sure. Right. Uh, but could I, if I had to do things over again, that would be one thing I would like to learn how to do. But I think that's something you would have to learn. Some that somehow I. Uh, maybe there's a book out there right. that uh, that teaches you how to raise kids without raising your voice. Well, I I imagine you know with kids that they're kind of like you said she was what three years old at that instant. Yeah. You know the kids are developing and they're testing boundaries because they don't know our social norms and customs yet. They're growing into them, and it's your job as a parent to set show them those customs and what lines and boundaries you can cross and what you can't cross and they're they're testing you and and that instant you know i don't think she's aware that she's testing you but she was testing you regarding something and then you were letting her know you know even if you regret it and the, the way you did it that basically this is serious and you're crossing a boundary here and, yeah right right and she knew right. never to cross that boundary again after seeing that because that was scary yeah, right maybe <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure there was other uh, other boundaries she crossed. Right, right. Well, there there are many, there it's are a many. big circle. Yeah, yeah, there's right, many right. boundaries to test here. You know? Right, right. And I'm just saying, I I think especially in that phase, from, I've heard from different uh, stories I've read or listened to or books I've read about it that sometimes they're testing those boundaries. But you're right. You, I think as soon as you're aware that they're testing boundaries, it becomes easier to control your anger yeah. and just be aware. 
she's trying to test the boundary right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, now, yeah. And, but now you got to go she's back. Pushing me. Yeah. Now, now you just reminded me about something in terms of, of boundaries, and and uh, I'm just realizing I just lied to you to say that I never lost my temper again. So. The story I just told you about was about my first daughter. Now my second daughter, <laughs> who might have a, a, a high um, uh, probability of listening to this, <laughs> will uh, say, wait a second, he got mad at me a lot. Uh, so when my second daughter came around, the, the, the specific instances I, I can recall is helping her do homework in middle school. Uh, and... Uh, she would uh, often ask for my help, and I'm, I think in particular math, and uh, can't remember what the problem was, whatever it was, multiplication and whatever, and I was showing her how to do it. Well, you know, all of a sudden she said, well, that's not how you do it. Well, <laughs> so, and I said, well, no, this is how I do it, and and the argument would increase in, in, in uh, tone and in What's the word? Uh, intensity. Sure. Uh, where she would, yes, she was like n- not going to let me teach her the way I learned because that was the way she was learning, which made sense. But but then we, we she just off communication would break down, and I would just storm away and said, you know, and kind of just say, well, just do it yourself. And uh, but the funny thing was, she did know how to do it. You know, there, she, she was sitting there to sure you. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't need my help, but you know, we would then kind of walk away from each other uh, pissed off. <laughs> uh, so I I, uh, I lied about the instance of not using uh, anger, but uh, and that that is the thing, you know, I think with all relationships is how do you control anger? And, yeah. and, uh, and it's a challenge, you know, uh, whether it's towards your, uh, your kid, uh, a co-worker, or uh, your best friend or your wife, you know. It, anger is a funny thing that arises from irrational ideas. Right. So maybe going along with that, is there other, I mean, you had those times where maybe you regret getting to that level and then you since then just try to avoid it, but are there any mechanisms or tools or things you tell yourself to help you manage your anger or control anger? Not that like you have an anger problem or anything like that, but you know. Uh, well, I, I think that what I, yeah, I mean, I do, um, and I guess I think it's a, uh, something you learn, or get taught, or you should try to learn it, or you should try to get it taught to you. Uh, it's uh, I think anger most of the time arises in, in us when people aren't doing what you want them to do or how you think they should be doing it. Sure. And that's a big source of anger. And and when you're really, sometimes you just got to ask yourself, well, what makes you think they should be doing it your way? I mean, right? They, uh, you know, or you know, because everybody is doing something based on their own experiences, and their experiences have taught them a, a way of behaving or a way of accomplishing the goal. And one and one example I had read about this was. Uh, uh, well, I'll tell you this, this. Well, I don't know which story to tell you, but I'll tell you the one about chopping lettuce. So I had heard this story about uh, uh, a man and a wife that were uh, in counseling, uh, 
and one of the topics that came up in the council member was, was chopping lettuce. Sure. And that the husband would get se- severely angry at the wife the, with the way she makes salad because she would take a knife and chop the lettuce up. Where he thought she should be tearing it apart with her hands. Uh, oh, okay. And that the, her chopping it was just made him furious. And it, it was just this ridiculous thing. What would make you so furious <laughs> about using a knife to cut off lettuce leaves? You know, so sometimes it's irrational thoughts make us real angry because someone's not doing something the way you think it should be done. Right. Yep. Uh, even when it comes to making a salad. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we sometimes you think, well, why is my way better? You know, my way's not necessarily better. Right. The salad tastes good when she makes it. <laughs> right. Yep. So, uh, so, so that with, with anybody that sometimes when I'm feeling angry, I try to say, well, why am I angry? Uh, well, they're doing it this way or I want them to do this. But, you know, when you want someone to do something, that's kind of your problem. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and then to become angry at them for not doing it your way, it's kind of like, well, you're kind of, you've got your expectations in one place. You know? Right, right. So I, I try to think that, well, they can do it that way because that's the way they want to do it. Now, sometimes if it's dangerous or uh, they're asking for help or something like that, you, you know, sometimes you have to intervene. But... Um, a lot of times you just got to you know, let them, let people do what they want to do. Right. I mean, yeah, the first thing that comes to my mind is that, like, is because basically what you're saying is when someone is doing something differently than the way you think they should be doing it, you effectively think they're being stupid. You're like, that's stupid. That what they're doing right. is stupid. Right. Or the way they're doing that's stupid because it's not the way right, I right. think is the sure. smart way. Sure. And we hate or at least for me, I, I, it can be extremely frustrating to see someone being stupid or doing something stupid, especially if you think they have the potential to be smart, right. but they're being stupid. Right. And you go, gosh, what are you doing? And you're getting really frustrated. Right, right. And I wonder if that just goes all the way back to our roots. It's like the tribe, you know, the, 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 the tribe could not thrive. Stupidity got you dead. So if you're being stupid, right. that equals death. Right. That is bad. You yeah. want to get really mad at someone so, if they're being yeah. stupid. Right. You know? <laughs> a, a, a well, oh yeah. I mean, it probably, it probably has some time, some type of real primal uh, a reaction. Yeah, right. You know. And, and or, right. And or for any individual to think that they are right. And but like you said, with lettuce, is it really life right. or death? Yeah. yeah. Right. If it's torn or right. sliced. Right. Or how you fill laundry. I mean, it, you know. It, it, you know, anything you're, someone you're close to is doing, or, you know, or, you know, how you want your child to do a math problem, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, okay, she has another way, and I wasn't patient enough for her to maybe teach me this other way, and I was just trying to make her do it my way, right? and it just kind of didn't work out for either of us. Yeah, for whatever reason, who knows, right. the, the new method she's learning in school might right. be considered the faster method now, and right. you learned the slower method or something, you know, because things right. get refined and changed. Right. Um, or maybe they were teaching a slower method, and you're like, I know the faster method. <laughs> right, right. right. I, I, yeah, all right. I knew the right way. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that is a great point. It's like it's being able to let go and let someone do their thing without you feeling the need to control it. Right, right. Yeah. Right. And, it, and maybe it com- that's what it comes down to is control. Yeah. yeah. And actually, something happened recently, but I wasn't no, there wasn't anger involved, but it was this matter of of how how do you you know let's say it is a matter of someone's doing something differently that's 
maybe not as effective as as it could be, you know. So, and it had to do with chopping an onion. I was, I had watched a TV program and when the chefs were, showed you how to chop an onion. I said, oh, that's cool, you know. And uh, I'll, I'll do it that way. And, uh, and then uh, I recently, maybe, oh, recently, meaning one or two years ago, it was with cooking with my older daughter. And um, she was having a hell of a time chopping up an onion. So I, I think I intervened to... I can't remember how I intervened, but it was it's like... It's all about how you intervened. Yeah, right, right. But it was, And I didn't intervene the right way, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> because she got very angry at me intervening, like, and, and saying, that's not the only way you can do it. And I, so I must have, as I say, I probably said something like, here's the way you should do it. <laughs> and uh, and it did, it did end up with uh, me cooking alone, for sure. <laughs> so... Uh, it, uh, but it backfired. Yeah, right, backfired. But it is a better way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is this technique? How do you cut the onion? What's, what's, what's Ooh, the right I way think, to cut? I it? think I'm going the wrong way. Um, you cut the onion. You know how you? Well, you, 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 there's a little nub at the end that the the, the plant grows from is like where the roots. Yeah. You don't want to cut that off. That well, you don't want to cut it off. No, you cut that. Holds everything together. Oh shoot! I always cut that. No, off. Don't cut that. <laughs> that that holds the whole onion together. So it's easier to cut. Yeah. Well, that makes and, sense. And so you cut it in half through that nub. Through the nub. Yeah, through the nub. Okay. So that when you do that, the whole onion still stays together. Because you got half a nub on both sides yeah. of half the onion. Yeah. Okay. So then. And, and then what do you do? And then you slice the onion. How would I describe? Parallel to that first cut. Parallel. Okay. <coughs> right. So now this you're making you slices do for like you know, a dicing. Or for, or for di- no, for dicing. Oh, I'm this sorry. is for dicing. It's for dicing. Okay. Right? So. Um, so then you cut parallel to that first slice. So, so you're making slices. Now they're all being held together because you never disrupted you that never nub. Disrupted up. And then after you do that, then you cut perpendicular to those cuts. So now the starting away from the nub and getting closer to the nub. Uh, or starting. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're, pointing, you're pointing your knife at the nub, but and cutting through. So oh, oh, I see what you're saying yeah. now. Yeah. And then you you turn your knife 90 degrees to that slice. And now you chop, and all the little nice little chunks of onion come flying off. Interesting. And then you have this little nub behind that's that held everything together. Um, it's now all by itself. Well, if you uh, got anything else out of this interview, you know how to chop an onion now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wow, cool. I gotta try that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's really interesting because I, I the the asserting that you know how to do something better or right can and and it comes down to I always think it's interesting I see sometimes angry people people that like just are kind of angry a lot that they're they're really like you said that they don't like how people are doing things and they want to control those things around them and I always kind of wonder is it are they they're so angry because they their own personal life they have is out of control so this is their one attempt of trying to have some control. If they can't control their own life, well, let me try to control someone else's life. And that can make me feel a little bit more rooted, to feel a little bit better in life. But if you, you know, I'm wondering if that can sometimes happen or or maybe you can have the other well, way. You really have a lot of control of your own life and your life is so together that now you feel like you have this authority to start being able yeah, to control well, maybe, other people's lives. I'm sure that both of those Exist. play out in life, right? Right. Right. That, yeah, I think whatever you can imagine, 
actually does occur. Sure. Yeah. That, and that, that, that's probably true for sure. Uh, okay. Um, uh, did you know going into having kids that that it would be the the lifetime commitment that it is? Um. Probably, but uh, probably. Though I, you know, I've heard some parenting, uh, not not necessarily from the parents, but some kids who were told by their parents when they hit 18, "Okay, I'm done with you. <laughs> you can leave now." Right. And, and that kind of shocked me when I've heard that. I think I'm getting lost right here. Petowski. Uh, I didn't say Podaski. Well, look, yeah, I'm, there's I, a sign that said Podaski. Hey, let's pause here. No, no. Yeah, go ahead. You, can, you, know, you can go ahead. No, we don't have to pause. Okay. Um, we just got to check to see. We're getting lost trying to get to his cabin. Right. <laughs> Too many twists and turns. And the... But that's the beauty of it. Get lost in the woods. Right. Okay. The remote, remoteness of it all. Okay. We're, we're going to get there now. Direction. Baby bug camp? Yeah, baby bug camp. <laughs> Where are we? Where's my little... Okay, go. Start. Oh, I think we're going okay. Oh, wait. We still got 49... Oh, cause this is like a two-hour drive from where we left, huh? Uh, it's an hour and 20 minutes, so oh, I don't know what happened. Oh. But we stopped and got gas. That's true. Yeah. And we just got lost. We got lost. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I think I am going... I made an incorrect, but it's okay. We're going to We're going there. Yeah. I think. Uh, yeah, and I'm surprised uh, uh, Rick hasn't called. Uh, yeah. Unless he's really? got, like, maybe he's there and he doesn't have phone service or something and he's just yeah. hanging out, you know? Or he never woke up. Right. Uh, what about... Uh, but, yeah. We never got lost. I just... We never did. No, we didn't. We're doing, we're doing good. We're doing good. Yeah. So let me think if I can... Uh, uh, what? Maybe... Can I turn the question on you? Sure. Okay. So are you, you, you must be interested in fatherhood. I am. So why are you interested in fatherhood? Uh, because I always... Uh, I like family. I like the concept of family and like having a tight-knit group or village of people that you love and you look out for each other and have great memories and experiences with each other. And I don't think you necessarily need to be a father to do that. You can always just, you know, your friends and uh, loved ones can become your family, your village, your tribe, and you can host, you know, big gatherings and vacations and make all these memories and really care and love for each other even if like you're not able to be a father for whatever reason it's on the cards but I do think being a father probably is one of the most enriching experiences of that nature if, if you desire to have that experience of like being part of a village you know uh, this kind of weird, like, mini socialist <laughs> state, you know? Right, right, right. Because right, right. <laughs> that's what it is, really. You right, know? Right. It's like you're, you, 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 you share the means of, you share the, 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 your product, your production with the group to be able to grow and thrive, you know? Yeah. Your, your energy and love. 
that, that's pr probably a good example. It's too bad that we can't, our life can't be lived like in a yeah. socialist state. Maybe that's the way we're supposed to be. I mean, a lot of the instances that I've read about, like the Greek city-states, those were very kind of socialist little communities and very much the Native Americans and how their tribes were kind of a very, they still had like a hierarchy loosely, right. but it very much was kind of like a socialist type of thing where all the resources were shared and everything was shared and even mothers were all cared for all the children. And it takes a village. It takes a village, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I think on a smaller scale it can work really well because everyone is agreeing and consenting that they want to help and contribute and be a part of this group. But even back then, there was always that one outcast that didn't give a shit about anyone, so they kicked him out of the tribe and he was like the lone right. hunter out living in the woods right. because right. he was some conservative bastard. So self-centered. I don't want to alienate my conservative listeners yeah, right. there, okay? <laughs> it's totally fine to be conservative. Nothing against you personally. Right. But See, yeah, You can't get angry at someone else for the way they think life should be led. Right. But like even like that that concept of like you know my my close friend Sean and I we always talk about that me and a bunch of friends want to just go buy a big piece of land somewhere and all of us just build a compound and live on a compound together and all just like work a few hours and cook and have a great time and just like be this little little compound family and uh, you know it's probably never gonna happen but it's fun to think about because we think if life was structured that way it'd be a lot happier way to live we feel like. But, I mean, I think that's a very uh, different type of life, and I think a family is a small way that you can replicate that, you know, right. in your own small right. bubble. Right. Yeah, I, you I, I have other motivations to be a father, which is that uh, I just feel like I want to give, uh, 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 be a father that, that I felt like I didn't get to have, and... There's just some part of me that always is like, I want to be the dad that I... And there's just kind of like this weird thing. And it's kind of a weird motivation. But like, oh, so you didn't have a, the best dad, so you that's why you want to be a dad? Like, it's kind of weird. But it's just, I already wanted to be a dad. And I just know I want to be a really awesome dad. Because yeah. I, I felt what it felt like to maybe not have the best dad around all the time. But it was interesting, though, what you said, that, that part of your interest in being a dad is because you value that family life. So, right. so what, though, even though you're saying maybe your dad wasn't the best, there's still certain value and 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 uh, benefit. I mean, yeah, value that you saw in that relationship or in your childhood. You still yeah, had. I had a lot of friends. I saw I saw how some some of their families operated. Yeah. Uh, and I saw also some friends that had some rougher rougher experiences. Yeah. I kind of saw both, and I. I saw the value of like a really strong family community and how no one else looks out for you the way family can look out for you. I totally got lost on this trip, I think. We're doing okay. <laughs> I'll be back. Yeah, we're, we'll get there, but this, this is yeah. major detour. Yeah. We're looking at all these uh, dilapidated houses here. That one needs a fresh paint job. Yeah. Oh, it's a really big house. Yeah. Whoa, white, white horse. I'm hoping right <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Division Road. Yeah, I, I just really screwed up, I think. Maybe. Not that bad. We're okay. Yeah, and I, I think I think I think it's the most uh, redeeming 
worthwhile, courageous job now, to be a father okay, yeah. over anything else. Now, now that's a, another here, strong reason. Now, here's isn't this interesting? So, I, I was telling you earlier before that we spoke on this uh, uh, tape that I kind of look at things from a very uh, uh, like biological, organic, and animalistic way. Sure. So let's let's so there's that's all your rationalization of why you want to be a father right that's the, the that's the rationalization in reality here right there's a biological drive yeah yeah right right there's so there's something driving you i mean sure you know this the the stag in this here woods out here that we're driving through is gonna go uh go hump that uh, doe <laughs> that's right and he's not thinking like what you're thinking that's true <laughs> well i do have to say for I joked around when I was younger with my friends that like the world deserves me to be a father because I have such great genes that I need to pass on. <laughs> right, I was right. real, you know, smart ass pretentious douchebag right, right. about it. But I do genuinely feel that like if there's a bunch of baby Nickies running around, <laughs> the world would be a better place. <laughs> because uh, uh, no, I, I definitely I'm not that full of myself to think that like my genes are supreme or anything like that. But I do think I have okay genes and feels good to want to pass them on and I also feel like I can I I have the capacity because I feel like I'm a good teacher that I will be able to pass on all the things that I've learned and that my child would be able to take all those and if they wanted to run with them become way better than me at those things and if they decide to go into something else that I'm not aware of I'll happily participate in the learning right. process because I'm, I'm interested in all things but but still it's cool this concept I mean uh, it's still all that rationalization that you're going through and really what it's it's all being driven by this biological drive to, to make sure that right. yeah, to make sure that your genetic material it, it, it keeps going that, I mean that drive is there yeah for sure. right, right yeah right. It's, it's, and it's fascinating that as humans we can attach meaning to it yeah you know but really it's just a standalone instinct to go ahead babies yeah, well, and when, that's where, like, when, when Anna and I first started talking about it, she had mentioned, like, adoption, and I have nothing against it and would love that child, but there was, like, a part of me that was just very much like, but I want my own child. <laughs> right, right. I'm my own one. <laughs> right, right. But at the same time, there's the, I mean, there's the, there's a, definitely a beauty and need for those children who don't yes. have a parent. Totally. And, and then, yeah, you kind of got to give up your own little selfishness that, you know, okay, you know, I'm not going to have any, my genetic material running right. off of the earth. Right. But, um, but that, it's some, it's some, oftentimes you don't have to control that. You know, sometimes, right. hey, that's what you got to do. That's what you got to do. Or, or um, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a student that is uh, adopted and he's amazing and the parents are great parents and like, it's a great dynamic they have and, uh, I, 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 and I can tell they love him like it's their own child and he loves them like it's his own parents so I uh, I'm sure I could have that same bond yeah uh, oh no yeah problem. for sure I mean you know I think you see that throughout life I mean I definitely have met you know families where the child was adopted and uh, you know there's there's the love is just as strong and as meaningful uh, right. as anything you know that, that and and vice versa I mean there's Horrible parenting going out there about yeah. to the biological children, and the, and the parent should have nothing to do with that kid. You know, yeah. like, separate that, separate them. That's yeah. horrible. You know, yeah. so that 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 
you know, the sperm and the egg are, is one thing, but the love is something totally different. Different, yeah. So, would you say number one thing is love? You number gotta love your child. You, yeah, you yeah. do, and and yeah, whatever that is. That's it's such a hard concept, but and I think it means you you want the, the best for them. You're gonna protect them. You're gonna provide for them. You're, you know, you want to support them and 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 in their life and, and, and hopefully they have a meaningful and um, uh, a meaningful and was I don't want to say happy I hate that word happy yeah but uh, a, a life fulfilled. that fulfilled yeah, yeah. That's it. would you say because uh, you know you said you want to support them and you also want the best for them and you know you must find sometimes that these things conflict with each other you want these two things, but if you do both of them at the same time, it might actually be in conflict. Like, if you want the best, what's best for them, and that might mean you're supposed to support them too, but then it goes, actually, the best thing for them right now would be to cut them off, to make that hard decision that they need to be cut off so they yeah. can grow up or whatever. Yeah, well, support, I, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, definitely you think of the word support, and you might think, uh, you know, financially back them. Right. And, and I, that, that's not always necessary. You know, the, sim the simplest thing is, let's, let's say, you know, the toddler learning how to walk. You know, how are you going to support them? Well, you know, you're, you're, they're, they're starting to get out there teetering back and forth, and, and then and then you just, you know, maybe give them a little push in the butt to keep them up, and, and they didn't fall that time, and, and sure. they take the, a couple steps on their own. You know, so you kind of supported them. Or, you know, your, your kid goes to college, and you say, well, I'm going to pay for college if I can. And so you support them, um, or uh, you know, or your your uh, daughter says, "Hey, I'm going to move out to LA," and you really don't want that to happen. Sure. But you support them in their decision. So sure. you know, support comes in a lot of different forms, and sometimes it's you know supporting them in their decision, uh, and that sometimes is the hardest one. Uh, you know, to say, "Well, I, you know, because I really don't think you should do that, but if that's really what you want to do, then yeah. sure, go ahead." And, and that wouldn't necessarily involve any money, but it's just giving them okay that that sometimes you know I love you and if that's what you want to do, uh, I'll I'll support you in that right. decision. But you must feel sometimes like a strong emotion, just like with the right and wrong thing that like you feel like they're doing something you disagree with. You really feel this urge to really tell them it's a bad idea or whatever you know, and discourage them. But then it's like a, that balance, you know. Yeah. Well, that, that that's it. But I mean. As a person, at certain times you can do that. I mean, if you got a 14-year-old that wants to move to LA or you know, or do something crazy, you're gonna say no. You're gonna, that's crazy. You're not doing that. But when you start talking about 18, 19, 20-year-old, those person's kind of becoming an adult. They are kind of acquiring their own decision-making skills, and they you know, they feel like they want to, you know, do something. You know, it, it, I don't think it's. Um, Sometimes you just can't get in people's way, you know, right, right. and see that they have to live their own life. And and sometimes it, you can reflect upon your own life when your child's doing something that you think they shouldn't do, and just think back at how many times I did things my parents thought I shouldn't do. Right, and that that's just a natural part of growing up. That there's always going to be conflict, and that the parent is always going to think that they know better for the child. Than the child knows for themselves, and and it may be that that could be true, and maybe you know, retro 
you know, in retrospect, the child might think, oh, I should have listened to my parents. Sure. But uh, I don't think that um, you, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's a good way of doing it. I mean, if something's really dangerous, illegal, immoral, uh, yeah, you might want to intervene in some way, but if it's not any of those, um, then sometimes a person does have to, you know, learn by their own mistakes or their own successes, because you, you, you don't know where it's going to end up, you know. Uh, you know, I, I remember this one example, a friend of mine uh, was talking about um, uh, a client that he was working with, this uh, actually, you know, Neil, my nephew, yeah. um, he's a financial planner, and he was talking to one of his uh, clients about the client's son, and uh, the client was uh, just saying, gosh, my, my son left home, he went out to California, and he, like, left with nothing, and I was, like, scared to death of the kid, you know, he, he, he just his car and his belongings, it's a few bucks, and I was just so depressed that he, he, uh, went to California, and, and as years passed by, this kid learned the winemaking, well, again, the winemaking industry, I, I don't know how he got started, whether sure. he was just... Bartender, maybe. Yeah, back then, but eventually became a vintner, and was producing some of the best wines in California. Wow. So, you know, here's this dad who didn't want his kid to do this, wow. but stayed out of his way, yeah. and probably supported him in some ways, and it, you know, turned out for the best. That's wild. So you, so you can't really, you know, really got to let people sometimes follow their dreams. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and well, even with you know, uh, uh, you know, my daughter who decided to go to LA, that was heartbreaking. Yeah, I did not want that to happen. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, and we talked about it, and she was determined, and I knew that by the, her determination, that I, I couldn't get in her way. I mean, this was her decision as an adult that this is what she wanted to do and um, she you know she uh, struggled through it but I think things came out pretty positive for her in the end you know yeah she you know she was following her dream and um, now I, I, I'm, I'm curious you really didn't want her to do that but ultimately you're like okay I guess I'll support you doing this thing even though I don't like it right and I can't imagine how hard that be because Especially my motivations being wanting to have like this tight village family right, right. and have all these memories and lives ex right. experience together. And if one of my children or my child was like, "Peace, I'm gonna go have life experiences somewhere else, not with you," that would that would kill me because that's one of my strong motivations for having this family is to have these great weekends together. Uh, you know. Yeah. And, that would, that would kill me. Yeah, well, know? we did have great weekends together, and now we're having another one. <laughs> no, we are. I just, <laughs> right, right. But, so, uh, uh, so uh, uh, what I was going to ask was, even though you didn't like that, but you support her anyways, um, did you, like that client said, you know, the, his son just kind of went out there with almost nothing and a few bucks, and he was really worried, did you really worry as well and did you you know financially help her during some of that time or was it just kind of like all right let's see how she goes does you know yeah kind of a thing. yeah i mean there's some uh, i would say some uh financial help but that no i don't you know i can't remember i think at times there was like little injections of money had to happen sure. you know <clears throat> for, for the most jobs or something yeah like right that. right or but for the most part she uh did it on her own. I mean, you know, uh, 
I think she had some money saved up, and maybe even some money. We said, well, you know, here, this is, this get started, and good luck, you know. But it wasn't like a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it was a few thousand dollars. Right. Um, and uh, but she made it on her own, and it it, it is a, but it was it, it was really the right thing to do for her because. I mean, for some reason, that's what she saw her life being. It wasn't being in Ann Arbor, Michigan anymore. It was being in Los Angeles, California, for some reason. Right. And uh, she was really determined to do it. And I think, uh, in a way, it wasn't. It, you almost could tell that. Well, if I if I got in her way with this, this would be like a crushing blow to her. Right. Because she had she was had something to prove. Right. Right. She had to something to show herself. And that was the important part of the whole thing, not necessarily what, what job she ended up, but to say that I can do this. I can and, be on my and, own. And I did it. Yeah. You know. So if, if she never had had that experience, it, it, her life might be totally different. Right. Know? Well, she'll always be wondering what would have it been like if a dad would have let me yeah, do right, that, right, you know, right. or whatever. And what resentment she might have towards me sure. or anything like that. Right. But but then again, I you know, yeah, I, I don't know if I. In saying that, I don't know if I could. That would have ever happened because I think she was so determined to leave that even if I bodily held her down, she would break free and leave. You know, you yeah, know. yeah. You can't imprison anybody. You know, right? You, uh, you know, you could, but that'd be bad. Wouldn't be a good thing. Right. I was gonna ask because you know we had a conversation previously that you think that uh, something that you care about as your kids grow up that not for everyone, but you think it's pretty important that they find a partner, that they find someone that they can have their life together with, and that that's like a important milestone, similar to like maybe like college would be a milestone yeah. for someone in their life. Um, and uh, and obviously Anna came to LA, she found me, and and it, it's funny because I hear Anna now tell me that she sometimes not like she would take it back because she did it and that's done, it's in the past, but that sometimes she just realized that she didn't maybe appreciate Michigan as much as she did until after she moved to L.A. and was in L.A. for a long time and and then realized, like, she, you know, now she tells me she, she misses it. And like, you know, misses the, the quietness of a smaller town, you know, or nature and all the great things about Michigan, which is why you stay here and live here, you know? Right. I think that's true for everyone. You know, you, you I always say you, you make a decision based on your current experiences and what you you know uh, and don't know. know. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and when you then you make a decision and you go forward, and then you make another decision and go forward, and then you keep doing that, and then you know six or seven decisions down the road, you look back and say, "Boy, I really missed that place back there." <laughs> and and. Uh, you know, I think I actually, I don't know if I, was this about, I think it was about Anne. I always, and someday I should do this, so if any listener out there copies this idea, I'm coming after you. <laughs> but um, it, it's just, it kind of, there's that little story around a frog that was trying to cr- cross a river. And the, 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 the flow of the river was pretty strong, stronger than the, the frog could swim. And the frog wanted to get to the other side, and there's all these little rocks and, and lily pads or plants scattered across the river that, you know, could possibly be a bridge. And so the, you know, this little frog is sitting on one of the banks and kind of checking out the scene and saying, well, hmm, how am I going to get over there? And he sees a stone. And he says, oh, I can jump to that stone. So, okay, decision number one, let's go to that stone. And he jumps and he makes it. He says, oh, great, now I'm here. 
But then he's looking back and says, oh, crap. <laughs> now, I, I'm here, but how can I get... That stone looks pretty far away. Can I get there? I don't know. How, oh, there's a plant over there. Let's try that plant. And then he jumps. And he lands on the plant. And he holds on for dear life because the, the water is really rushing by. And he's, like, hanging on to this plant because he knows he it's, can't beat the stream. And he gets the grip. And he sees that next stone. He says, oh, I think I can make it. And he jumps on the next stone. And he's, and eventually he makes it across. But it wasn't necessarily the easiest path he took, but it was a path that got him to where he wanted to be. Right. Now, along the way, though, maybe that maybe another frog, maybe his buddy behind him, like, slipped off the rock and got carried downstream and, you know, is gone. Wow. You know, so I think that life is like that. You make decisions based on the circumstances you're at. Right. And you try to make the best decision based on that. Right. And sometimes the best decision turns out to be not the best decision, but that's only after the fact that you it turns out that way. Sure. And, and so you can't, I, I think you can't, you know, second guess yourself all the time. Sometimes you gotta do something, and, and I, I think there's like um, I've, somebody I've heard that it's like an eighty percent rule. If you know nothing's going to be perfect, but if right. you can figure it's like eighty percent right, then do it. Do it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, they have, there's, there's another one. There's the eighty twenty rule, which is eighty percent uh, of your, let's say. Well, you could almost apply it to anything, but let's say 80% of your income only takes, uh, it, it comes from only 20% of your efforts. And that last 20% of income takes a whole 80% of your effort. So th this is coming from a book that's basically espousing, you know, you do your best work only for a few hours, and then the rest of the day you're already kind of drained, and it's just kind of crappy work. And if you just really maximize that short amount of time of work time, you get 80% of your income. Well, that's all you need. Fuck the other 20%. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> Too bad employers don't look at it that way. <laughs> and, and, and he carries it over to basically like, you know, if you have a big firm and you got, you got, he says, 20% of your clients make 80% of the income for the business. The other 80% of clients are all small fry. Why are you wasting all this time and emails and all that for just 20% of the income of the business? Just focus on those 20% clients that get 80% of the money in the business, and that's it. And yeah. go home. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and but that 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 can apply to anything like washing dishes or you know, working out. Like yeah, even working out. Like 20% of the workout is like the best does the best for you, but. The rest of the time, you're just kind of doing extra stuff, but it's not really needed for your health, you know, and wellness. You're, you're walking around the gym looking uh, at... <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, or just like, you know, you do your squats, and maybe you do like some push-ups, like do some real compound, work your whole body out, and then you're over there doing bicep curls for 20 minutes. Like, what are you doing? Right. You're not helping you really at all. Right, you know? right, right. You want the stuff that gives you the big bang for your buck, you know? Right. And that's that 80-20 rule. Um, I was gonna remark on that Anna, uh, you know, she doesn't like, you know, like you said, you just make a decision, you hop to a stone, you make another decision, and she, it's basically, she said, she doesn't regret going to LA because if she hadn't done that, she would never have realized the appreciation that she has for being exactly. here. Right, right. Yeah. By going away, right. it now reinforced. Oh, I, I would like, I missed that and enjoyed that life I had there, and I would like my child to have that life like that too because right. I right. really enjoyed this environment to grow up in and I think it's a great environment to raise a family in. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's really It's the Midwest, you know? We, can, <laughs> we raise families here in the Midwest. <laughs>
Ken what, Midwest. What's uh, what's wild is I sometimes, I, you know, my I have a, I've had a strong motivation for a long time to be uh, a parent, and it even it has to do with like the path that I chose. That like I recognized from a young age, yeah, I could maybe get into being a performer and stuff, and really struggle and you know barely get by and do a lot of performing and have a really great time performing and barely making enough money to survive but I knew that I really wanted to have a family and like be comfortable and not stressed about money and have a nice house to raise the kids in and stuff like that and I, I made that decision pretty early on that I went okay this performing thing very well might not work out so let me have a backup plan and let's go get a degree in mm-hmm. something that will make some decent money and get the best best bang for my buck. So I'm like, all right, if I only have to get a bachelor's degree, what's the best bachelor's degree that gets you the most bang for your buck? Oh, engineering, hands down. There's no other career that only needs a bachelor's degree and that can make you a good amount of money. And it can also tie into a lot of future things. If you want to build your own home, well, if you're an engineer, you can do it, you know? Um, So I decided that, not because I had a particular passion for it or anything, but it was a, it's a means to an end to be able to provide for having a family. But I, I also sometimes wonder how maybe frustrating that could be for my mother, who goes, uh, maybe she's really uh, excited to see me grow and flourish and, and become successful in my own personal endeavors. And maybe she's a little frustrated that I'm so focused on like trying to just become a family man when maybe she goes like oh, all this talent's going to waste or all this you know what uh, uh, you know you're, you're allocating all your resources to what to just rush to become a dad and have a family why don't you focus on like having some personal success first and then and then become a dad and I can see that perspective and I can see that with myself sometimes thinking like am I doing the right thing by being so focused on this but I uh, well, like you said you just kind of like take a jump and you think that this is a good choice and I'm not one of those people that's going to regret like, oh man, I had kids too young and I should have kept trudging ahead as a single man and figure out personal successes and having crazy wild experiences performing in the circus or whatever, like stuff like that, because I know, I feel like you can, you can do those, uh, you can, you're just doing that when you have a family, you're just like, I don't, I'm very enamored by like the family circus where like the dad and the whole crew like, yeah, the whole family starts a business and we're the family circus and we all perform for you and like, that's so cool. You make, you make your family become like part yeah. of your yeah. vision, I guess. I, I guess you, you know, you can't, you know, it's, it's a thing, it's a value thing. So what do you value? You know, you if you if you value family, then making that a central focus is important to you. And like right. you said, I and I, I would kind of agree that you know you not agree, but I I, I think that's um, you know you said that having being an engineer and having a, a stable income is a way to and then swimming and that that's not bad. I mean, you know. That, it, it, it does help you live your life, you right. know. And if, so all these pieces can fit together to achieve what you want. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean though that you're not, you can't achieve things like being a real successful engineer. I mean, uh, or expand your 
but still do the best that you can in everything that you do. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that doesn't, yeah, what does it, and, and being, they're uh, not exclusive uh, of each other. And sometimes being a parent, and, well, maybe, I, well, I would say this, you know, most corporations in the world are, 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 are uh, have people with families running them, right? <laughs> right, right. It's not like, oh, I'll, I'll have, uh, I'll run the corporation first, then have a family. Well, well too late. You right. know, it, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. No, I, because I, I think a lot of people try to scare you, especially when you're young. You know, yeah. I'm 27, and like sometimes, oh, you're getting married already? Oh, we're well, gonna have a kid already? And they start like judging you, like, oh, well, your life's over. There goes your free time. Yeah. And you're kind of like, what are you talking about? I can still do all the things I want to do and have a family. Like, like I get that it's work. You don't, yeah, you don't have as much fuck-off time, sure. You know, you've got more responsibilities. But I also always think the more responsibilities you get, you get, the more powerful you become and the more you rise to the occasion. And the less responsibilities you have, the more of a shithead you are. And the more you sit on the couch, smoke weed, and do nothing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean it, does, it definitely makes you more efficient. You know, you you, you got to use your time, you know, better. Right. Yeah, so you can't just, oh, I got nothing to do today, I'll just, you know, screw around and do nothing and negative tomorrow. Yeah. Right. No, you got to do today. Yep. yep. Um, and it makes you a better person for it. And it actually makes you maybe set yourself on the right course to become that successful CEO. Right. More so than if you didn't have a, uh, a family. Yeah. You know? and yeah. And again, you know, there's many different, there's many ways they raise to cross that river. Right. right? And there's right. many racks to hop onto. Right. And, and, and you just got to hop, you know, and you keep going. Uh, or else, you know, and you and it, and it takes work and a struggle, and sometimes you might some of those people don't make it to the rock and they go downstream. Sure, you know. Sure. So uh, it's a matter of like a little bit of discipline, perseverance, hard work. Uh, you know, having a dream and 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 following it. You know, and that's a, that's the most important part of thing. You know, I mean, not even you know having a goal. It, I think is that's a really really important part of life for anybody. Almost like you want to have goals, right? And then, and you don't necessarily have to make that goal, but you gotta have a goal, right? And because if you don't have a goal, there's nothing. What are you doing? You know, you you want to have a direction and something, and and it doesn't have to be a it doesn't have to be a concrete goal. I mean, if even if your goal is like, I don't know, being one with nature. I don't know, you know. you know, if that's your goal and you work to achieve that, it gives you kind of some meaning. You know, right? And and, uh, and, and it's fun, it's fun to have goals. Um, and having a family is a goal. Being a good engineer is a goal. But they're not they're not mutually exclusive. Right. You know, or you know, being an aerialist. Uh, now sometimes time becomes a constraint. Right. And I hope I didn't miss my turn. But I don't think <laughs> I I'm, I'm, um, And. Uh, and yeah, so you can only devote a certain amount of time. There's only you know 25 hours in a day, so yeah. you you gotta choose wisely. Yeah. I was gonna ask you how um, the transition has been from you know being a father of children to now being a father of adults. Sometimes that hasn't changed much. No, uh, no, no, no. You. St- you still worry about your children. I mean, okay. I, I mean, I do. Sure. I don't know if everybody does, but there's still always this concern that you know they're going to be okay, that you know they're healthy, that they're that they're happy, that they're 
they're going in a good direction. I mean, that's always kind of there, you know. But, um, but yeah, the the day to day custodial the functions are gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you find they have more free time than maybe you did when they were younger. And, and uh, well, yeah, or but not really. I mean, uh, well, I think the other. The, uh, let's look at the other end. Okay. Uh, like when you first have a family, like you start thinking, wait, what did I do with all the time I had? <laughs> it's like, because right now it's all being eaten up by these little kids. And I was like, well, yeah, but but it you are very happy and content with the time that you're spending with your kids. Right. So that, that free time that you had, I don't know what we did with that free time, but you definitely know that as a parent, that time you're spending with your kids is great. Right. You know. Right. I think for the most part, I'm sure there's days that you, you know. So, um, there's the uh, gas station with the pizza. Oh, yeah. There you go. And, uh, so... But now, I th- I think it's you know that we're empty nesters and it is a, a nice that's there's something very pleasant about that. Um, empty nester. Yeah. Meaning like you're still living in the nest, but the birds. The birds, gone. Little, the, yeah, the fledglings have gone. Are gone. You know, you just and there's get, a little bit of sadness yeah, there, right? Yeah, there always is a little bit of sadness, but you know, you, you you just have the you know more time for yourself. But um, you know, for me right now, I, I with work, I, my work fills up all my time. So sure. Um, I mean, actually, and you work more hours now than you did when they were kids. Probably. I think so. It feels like it. Yeah. I, uh, and maybe because they're not around, I can do that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think my the workload I have is is much more than I had before. Before you know, when they were kids, I, I, maybe I structured it. Oh, definitely, the jobs I had were structured more to so I could be with family okay. a, a little bit. But then when they left, I kind of uh, took on more, like say, responsibility. Yeah. So, um, you're happy to because it kind of filled that. Yeah, time. yeah, right, right. Yeah. And and now the next step is retirement, and and then I'll have a bunch of free time. But you know, I can tell right now that days go by so quickly that you know the it's just there's days that I'm like you know I shoot by and say crap I didn't get anything accomplished today. <laughs> yeah. So 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 you're retiring and you feel confident with that? Is are you nervous about it? Excited? Yeah, you go back and forth. It's been a process. There was never, a, uh, it was a slow developing idea that probably took me uh, months, if not years, to kind of really wrap my head around it and say, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, and still, I still feel like a little, a little unease. But I guess there's a, a, a feelings of unease and happiness with yeah. it, you know. Like, yeah. And I'm feeling more and more of the happiness. Like, am I glad? This is going to be done soon. <laughs> but there's, I mean, work has got, there's a lot of good things that come from it. Number one, there's there's a sense of accomplishment, accomplishment, contribution, right? you know, uh, satisfaction. Plus, they pay me for that. Right. You know, and well, that feels good. Yeah. And, you know, the, I think of all those, uh, the pay's a part of it, but it's the other stuff that is more like how, uh, what am I, am I going to, feel those things like you know financially I'm probably going to do okay then I'm you know I'm nervous because of the current you know COVID disaster and how it affected the markets and people's savings I mean is that how is that going to impact me over the next few years what's going to happen with the stock market blah 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 but 
so you kind of a little bit apprehensive, but I'm, that's not the part that worries me the worst. The, wor- the worst part is like, am I going to have a satisfying life? Am I going to be doing things that make me feel good? I, you know, I I like to golf, but I cannot see myself golfing every, every day. day. You know, yeah. it's like that. To, when I even think of that, I go, oh, that sounds boring. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, that, and, and obviously, like you said, you want to feel fulfilled and have a, a happy life. You yeah. Know? And work. You, I, you, you, part of your identity is your work. Right. And right. That work, like you said, makes you feel accomplished that you're contributing to society. Right. And so you can partially feel like you're just you're, you're quitting on society when you retire. You know, I'm uh, done contributing to you. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm doing my own thing now. To some degree, I, I do feel that a little bit, but but in a good sense, in a way. Like the one thing I want to, I, I do want to. Part of me wants to feel this thing like I've done my I've done my duty. Now leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, and and right now I'm going to be selfish and not have to be. Constraint to a, a a time schedule. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have to punch in, punch out. I don't have to answer a page. I don't have to return a memo. You know, right. like so. I think the beautiful thing that can come from retirement is that you can contribute to society on your time. Right. Right. I could see you after enjoying the thrill of it for a little bit, then going, Hey, what's going on over here in this community that I bought this cabin in? What's going on over here? What? What's right. this over here? Right, right. Oh, I want to fix this. I want to help. I want to help fix this. Right. Do I need to talk to? I can just do it myself. Cool. I'm doing. It. I'm fixing it. I'm contributing again. Yeah. But you do it on your time. You wake up when you want. You have breakfast when you want. You go fix it. And you say, I did that. I made that better. You know. Yeah. And I no, think that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that that's you know. And I'm probably definitely thinking of of uh, doing that. Or like for me right now, like you've been playing, learning to play the guitar. I probably will spend a little bit more time trying to learn my banjo so we can do a duet. Hell yeah. Okay. I'm so down. Uh, but, and I, I, and I have used time as an excuse not to practice the banjo. Uh, that, oh, I don't have enough time. Of course, you can always make time to do something. Yeah. But um, but I have used that as an excuse. I don't have enough time. Totally. But, but as I go into retirement, you know, I hope to pick up the banjo again and, and, right. and play with it. And honestly, it's just about, I, I found with everything, because I'll check myself when I someone asks me, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll say the, I don't have enough time. And now I go, that's not my priority right now. Like, that's Yeah, right. If it was my priority, right. all it takes is making it a habit. And with me, with guitar, my, I, I do have to say, practicing guitar for me will get thrown out of whack if I'm out of my routine. Like, oh, I'm not in L.A. right now, because normally in L.A. I wake up, I'm having my coffee, and I'm playing, practicing guitar. Yeah. But now I'm on vacation, come over here in Michigan, and so I'm like, I kind of forget, and I'm like, oh, gosh, before bed, let me go downstairs real quick and, and practice, just because I, I, I know the importance of a daily habit, daily routine, and that's how you incrementally get better and better over time, and that applies to everything, obviously. Whatever yeah. you do every day, the better you get at it, you know? I but I, I talked to my guitar teacher and I said, hey, what's more important? Should I sit down and do an hour of practice once a week or 10 minutes every day? And he said, hands down, 10 minutes a day. The daily habit of even just five minutes of practicing it, touching it, the strings, the finger control, mm-hmm. it's so much more important than like banging your head against it for an hour and feeling frustrated right. because that's not productive at that point. He's like, because he, and he told me about how his father used to trap him in his room with his guitar for three hours when he was like five years old. Really? Like practice and you're not coming out of this room until you 
I hear that guitar for three hours straight. Right, right. And before you let him eat dinner or something, you know, like <laughs> he talks about how it was it was it was horrible. Now, granted, he's like, I am a really good guitarist, but like, <laughs> I, I, he's like, I don't feel like that was the right approach necessarily to trap me in there, you know. That's amazing that his dad really did that to him. That's yeah. Like, why, why did that, why did his dad have that motivation? Well, his dad was a really good guitarist and played in a, you know, I forgot what they're called, but like a, a bunch of. The, the Mexican band that comes oh, out yeah, to the yeah, restaurant right, table. Right, right. He played in like one of those bands. Mariachi. Mariachi type of situations. And so that was a cultural thing that was he part wanted, of the family. Yeah, he wanted to be good at it. But but very and it, basically his father was relentless and they're like if you want to because his son did say oh when can I play with you and your friends dad and he was like when you're good enough you sound like crap here go back in your room and then but by the time he was nine or ten he was good enough to play with his dad's band you yeah know, and like play competently. But um, but he does say like you know I already wanted to play with my dad's band. He didn't need to lock me in my room to do it. I would have happily sat in the living room and while yeah. he was cooking dinner and practice, you know. Like, right. but he made it a little bit more intense than it needed to be. Right. And he said, and even my teacher says I, I was naturally talented because I was. Does he still love his dad? I think I'm sure he does. I think his dad might be dead. Yeah. Well, I don't. Know. Maybe he's not listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but so he said ten minutes, he said every day is way better. You know, because ideally you get at least one longer session once a week, like a thirty minute session to an hour. But definitely every day just ten minutes. You know, fifteen minutes wherever you can spare, you know. Uh, or or stuff in the room in three hours. So what I try to do is I try to do two ten minute sessions. Once in the morning, once in the evening. What's hard? I mean, what do I find hard not to do? No, no, no. What excuses do you do? Do you have any excuses to, for so that you, to, so you don't practice? What, like, is there a time you say, well, I'm not going to practice because... Okay, well, and, and I would say that there was definitely... The, the bits in your head, you feel like you don't have the time to practice. And there has been some weeks where maybe I didn't feel as motivated to practice and... I was also really busy because I'm doing a full-time job, and then I have to go home, or not home, but then go after work to go teach service classes. Right. And I, and I worked 10-hour days, and it, it became really difficult for me to find the time to practice my 10 minutes. Right. Like, you know, I'd be really tired from teaching the night before, and I'd wake up late, and I'd go straight to work, and I, I can't pick up the guitar and practice before going to work. I, I gotta get to work. So occasionally what I was doing was I'd put my guitar in the car, and then at work, at a break, I go out to the parking garage and I practice them as on my car. Uh, but there are some things that um, you know maybe I make excuses for. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, partly what's hard is that there's nobody. That's been my hardest struggle transitioning from being a kid to an adult, is that there's nobody telling me what I should do. I know that sounds like why would you complain? Nobody's tell you what you should do. But I am complaining a little bit because it's a little bit frustrating that nobody's telling me what I should do, or not even at least at least suggesting. You know. You want me to tell Anna? Well, (laughs) even even Anna, she doesn't sometimes. Like I would not say Anna is bossy at all. Zero zilch. Even Anna sometimes. It's not like I wish she'd tell me what to do because it, it, 
I, I, because I don't think about Anna should be telling me what to, what to do, but I, I would definitely say Anna doesn't tell me what to do. You need, you need direction. And that's the tough thing is that I think that comes from a mentor, but a lot of times it can just come from your friends and peer pressure. I think the only thing peer pressure I've gotten from my friends are, oh, you should buy a gun. <laughs> so we get in these old gun debates, you know, and, you know, do whatever you want with, you know, listeners about what you feel about guns. I just don't feel like I need to have a gun. And that's one of the, probably the only things that my friends really pressure me about what I should do. Your friends should have a gun. They really think I should have a gun. Well, you They think I live in a rough neighborhood. Oh, I see. They think it's warranted. They think especially if I have a child that I should have a gun. And, I, you know, we get into all these debates where, you know, whatever. Um, uh, but that's probably the only thing that I, I, but that's not one of those things you say, oh, I don't have time for. You know, that's not one of those yeah, things. Yeah, right, right. But I, I just, there's nothing my friends say that, like, Nick, you should do this, and I have to say the excuse, oh, I don't have time for that. Like, I'm trying to think when the last time I, what's, what's funny is I give advice to my friends all the time about things they should do, and they give me the, oh, I don't have time excuse. Yeah. But I don't know what it is. I, I get a little frustrated that no one, I think people think I'm just doing the right thing, so they don't tell me that, but. Whoa, where's this big truck going? Feedback is nice sometimes. What are they doing? Oh, it's a garbage truck. Oh, we saw that this. was the that was the junk on the side yeah, of the road. Yeah, right, 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 right. I want to ask these guys so that. Guys let me let me ask. These are guys. you asking if they're picking it up? Yeah, let me. Yeah, let yeah, me. Sure. Hi, we have a question. Um, what do you want to ask? Ask yourself. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up. We're almost here. Oh, that's right. This was a great interview. Love talking about this stuff. Love talking about fatherhood and just being a better man in general uh, marriage fatherhood life great stuff to talk about i think a lot of kids out there or a lot of young men out there growing up you know wherever they are in their lives uh, maybe they don't have the best household there but they're sitting in their room and they're just looking for some good mentorship you know yeah cool cool it's uh yeah it's uh, I, I think it is one of the uh it's, it's just part of life, and, and, and every, not everybody might be cut out for it, uh, but probably most of us are, <laughs> to some degree. That, that's like that. It's our DNA. It's right? our DNA. That's what, that's what our DNA wants us to do, go out there and father some children. But uh, I think it takes well, a great responsibility. Fathering the children, yeah, not right. the, the being a father. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just a, it, it, it's a lot of responsibility and, and to do it right. Um, not everybody does, and it's a hard it's a hard job to do right. It, it is, and you make mistakes, and and you get. But hopefully, you'll, they're small mistakes, and you learn from them. 